Have you ever longed for a five-star sleeping experience right in your own bedroom? Hey, it's Bill Bennett. I want you to discover the secret to luxurious sleep with Cozy Earth's bamboo sheet set. It was endorsed as one of Oprah's favorite things in 2018. Now, please excuse the superlatives, but they're deserved. Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced temperature-regulating bamboo viscose bedding is a game changer. Our bedroom now feels like a lavish retreat with Cozy Earth's comprehensive collection. It's not just sheets, folks. It's also pillows and blankets. And each night that you lie on these is a kind of regal invite into a kind of kingdom of comfort. See the superlatives? One almost feels wrapped in style every night, making each sleep a five-star experience. Mrs. Bennett Elaine agrees as well. The comfort of Cozy Earth's responsibly sourced bedding is, in our experience, unparalleled. It's a blend of classic charm and modern luxury. So don't just sleep. Indulge in a realm of comfort with Cozy Earth's premium bedding collection. Now, here's a special treat. Cozy Earth is offering an exclusive discount for my listeners today. Get up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code BILLBENNETT at CozyEarth.com. That's discount code Bill Bennett. Please come explore CozyEarth.com for the latest in betting and use the code Bill Bennett. Welcome back to the Bill Bennett Show. Uh, delighted you're joining us on Thanksgiving week. In your house and your family, there are still things to be thankful for. And for this great blessing called our country, may we keep it. We try to give you thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, and you can address the existential threats to America via this show. You can even play this show during your Thanksgiving dinner. That would be great. And you know what I need to do? I, uh, Dr. Bennett, I need to get uh, Mrs. Bennett's table rules. And that oh, way yeah. they can play those table rules before dinner, but also play the show on a continuous loop during dinner uh, or, or during all the festivities. That way people know what's yeah. going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. We'll, ha- we'll have to work. Uh, today, however, uh, serious business, Brian Kennedy and Joel Farkas. We'll talk about the latest regarding Israel, Hamas, freedom, civilization, and the world. Folks, we're getting a lot of response from you um, about these conversations with Joel Farkas and Brian Kennedy. And uh, we're delighted you're listening. We want you to continue to listen uh, as uh, as they talk. I try to narrate. Guys, I'll just give you one warning. Uh, you're getting a great response from the audience. Uh, and I've suggested... That if, uh, you know, if uh, people don't have a good alternative, perhaps they could play this at uh, Thanksgiving meal. Um, yeah. Or perhaps not. Right. Okay. <laughs> with, with, with stuffing or with without. Yeah, with stuffing or without. Exactly right. Uh, Israel, the world, freedom, liberty, civilization. Where are we now? How's civilization doing? American civilization has been under assault. We're on the verge of losing it. And, and, and Bill, you, uh, you need to lead the defense of American, American civilization, not Western civilization. Yeah, no, I know. I agree with that. At this point, that's all that matters. Civilization is, uh, well, one, I agree with Joel. Um, Bill Bennett has been a defender of America and Western civilization for so long that uh, the country, Bill, owes you a great debt for all you've done. And uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, picking up on, on an earlier thing here, when you mentioned Thanksgiving, if you have a good Thanksgiving, 
this year, you're not really talking to your friends and loved ones about what's really going on in the world because the world is in a very bad spot. This should be a bad Thanksgiving. This should be a Thanksgiving where people reflect on how their freedom is being lost and the freedom around the world is being lost and that how the march of the tyrants, whether it's China or Russia or in the Islamic world, how they're on the march. And I would mention only, I know we like to talk about Israel on these things and the war in Gaza, but everything we talk about. The idea that this week in San Francisco, Xi Jinping was treated as if he owned the United States with streets lined with communist flags in San Francisco. That was an absolute despicable display of American supplication to our communist masters. And Americans should be absolutely outraged by that. I'm trying to run down the story of whether they actually had Marines at one point carry uh, communist Chinese flags during part of the presentation. That Bill, Bill, Bill. The idea Please. that we're going to treat Xi Jinping as our master is simply outrageous. Xi Jinping, who has done more to destroy humanity than anyone in our lifetime. I mean, he's not there with Chairman Mao just yet or Joseph Stalin. But the idea that America is not standing up for its own national defense while we watch communist China both wage war against us and sponsor Hamas and Hezbollah in Israel, we are in a very dark place. And so this Thanksgiving, I would advise people to have these conversations with your loved ones because never has have things gotten this bad. That's quite a quite a picture. I I I, I don't recall seeing that in San Francisco, but um, but I'll I'll take a closer look. Um, you started by saying freedom, uh, the loss of freedom. Where's the loss of freedom in the United States, Brian? Well, look, uh, this week also the Biden administration, maybe it was the end of last week, came out with a uh, directive that the they're going to come up with the Biden administration a um, a new strategy to combat the scourge of Islamophobia. Yeah, the scourge of Islamophobia, and they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't happen or that that is eradicated from the United States. Now, think about that for a moment. That we have a nation making war, we have nations making war against Israel in the West and bringing. And, and we ourselves were attacked on September 11th, something we, we somehow seem to have forgotten. And the source of that was, you know, a group of people that believe that Islam should be the supreme power of the world. And now, after 20 years of fighting that war against global terrorism, we have a president and an administration that is making sure that we don't even mention publicly that Islam could be a threat to the United States or our way of life. Islam, which has tenets, which said you cannot be friends with the Christian or the Jew. Surah, Surah 5, I believe, says that. Now, if one wants to take seriously Islam the same way its most radical adherents take it seriously, one should be deeply concerned about the threat of Islam to America and the West. And the Biden administration is now making it a, a priority, a top priority, to make sure that the scourge of Islamophobia, meaning the public pronouncement that Islam could be a problem, is either made illegal or the people who say that are punished for that. Now, if you combine, if you combine that with, with the censorship of our social media platforms and the inability 
to stop communist China from promoting all sorts of, um, you know, a, a, a very vast information war against the United States. This is what I mean by our freedom being lost. Understood. Joel? LGBTQ rights. The United States is touted as probably one of the worst offenders in the history of the world. And we are demonized and canceled in this country if anybody says anything other than what's written and demanded that you say. I'd like to name a few countries, Syria, Egypt, Gaza, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, United Arab Emirates, Yemen, Kuwait. Each one of those countries, it is illegal to be any of those LGBTQ people. And the punishment in most is death. And yet, in the, and yet in the United States, if you do not toe that party line that LGBTQ is supposed to be adhered to before anything else, right? That the LGBTQ, that agenda is more important than anything else. If you do not toe that party line and you run a business in the United States, the potential for you to be uh, punished, harassed, marginalized, have that business destroyed are very high. But can't, wouldn't, that be can't fair, I, wouldn't that be fair to say, Joel? It is, it, it is not only high, it is almost certain, because you will then also be sued by every well-funded, by multi-billionaire um, elite oligarchs in this country to go after legally anybody who even remotely doesn't adhere to what their ideology is. But there are a lot of Americans trying to think of a way to say happy Thanksgiving. There are a lot of Americans who are objecting to this, particularly in a world I thought it had been a lot of the time, which is education. Uh, a lot of parents. I mean, this is, I, I thought when I first read about it, this was one-off stuff. It's not. That's the bad news. It's uh, in schools all over the place. It's LGBTQ and, you know, and thinking about changing your sex and so on. But what's also all over the place is parental objection, and once parents find out about it, parental fury. That's pretty encouraging to me. I rarely disagree with you, Bill, but I vehemently disagree with that statement. Really? Yes. Um, it's feckless. It's not serious, to use a, a, a Brian Kennedy theme since I've known him. If it were serious, people would not say it. They'd do something about it. Um, here we are. We are celebrating Thanksgiving, and then we'll be into the Christmas holidays and, and New Year's. And yes, um, you know, I, I hear from a lot of very close relatives, friends, colleagues, and the like, who are talking about these issues, all these issues and others. And then they generally say something to the effect, Joel, you can't spend this much of your time and resources and focus on these grand issues. You should really focus more on your close family and people like that and just just enjoy what you have. And my response is simple. No, because if I don't along try to assist in any meager way with you and Brian and others, in a very short time we won't have freedom and liberty in this world. The last experience experiment, as you wrote about and Lincoln described, the last best experience, last best hope will have diminished and terminated and evaporated. Well, I don't, your vehement disagreement, I don't, I don't want to make the cheap argument. Well, you're in California a lot of the 
<laughs> and I didn't mean California. I meant the rest of the United States. I meant Tulsa. I meant Loudoun County, Virginia. Loudoun County, Virginia, by the way, has got a lot of government workers, a lot of people from, you know, the swamp. And they're objecting like hell, and they are doing something about it. They're having school board elections. Now, are you saying some people are indifferent, let it pass? Sure. But this has been a big deal, this reaction. And I right. take some I take some heart from it. Now I don't know you know, you and I can't do a count here of your friends who feel the way you describe and the stories I know about. But uh, I can tell you, a lot of this is not being uh, passively reacted to by American people and parents. No, no, but I think what Joel is suggesting here is um, it's one thing to have school boards and parents come out. And, of course, that that certainly should happen. But the kind of radical ideology we're talking about being foisted upon our children is is so beyond the pale as as you just have to wonder why is there not a national outrage over this? The idea that we're going to change the sex of children without their parents' consent, or that we would teach in schools to young children the kind of sexual behavior that should be reserved for you know you wouldn't even teach it to older kids per se. I mean, they're teaching deviant behavior quite often in, in these presentations. And so instead of teaching people that they should be wholesome, moral people, they're foisting upon the young generations a kind of vile human de- deviancy as if it were normal. Of, of and, course. And, no, no, hold on. Hold on. And if you speak out against it, what are you called? You're called a white Christian nationalist in the FBI says you are the most dangerous group in the United States today. Not the Islamists, not Antifa, not Black Lives Matter that burn down police stations. The white Christian nationalists who want to go to school boards and and object to their children being exposed to this, they're the radicals. And so, yes, you could take heart that people are going to school boards and objecting, and I take heart from that. But until our national leaders stand up for the American people? Where are the governors? Where are the state legislators? How has it gotten this far so quickly? That I think what Joel's suggesting is it's much worse than that. And, you know, when when it, when a parent has to go kind of hat in hand in front of a school board asking them not to teach their children about, you know, practices that would have otherwise, sexual practices that would have otherwise been, you know, really just unspoken well, for, for most of our most of our lifetime there's something wrong there yeah i don't think you're i don't think you're in disagreement fundamentally no that i'm not in disagreement fundamentally i've been a critic of what's going on in the schools you know we haven't even talked about math and reading here uh and that, this point because we're not talking about math and reading and we should be and we shouldn't be in any way talking about this crap but what i'm saying is there is a reaction it is real it is large and i I take issue with uh you're saying they go hat in hand sometimes they don't go hat in hand they go bullhorn in hand at these meetings and they bang the table they raise hell i'm in touch with moms for liberty uh tiffany justice uh several of these other organizations they are growing they have thousands, tens of thousands of people, and they are growing, and their influence is growing, uh, and they are all over the country uh, re- re- reacting to this. Now, should they be? Should they have to be reacting to it? Hell no, but they are. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I just believe looking for happy Thanksgiving guys. I just believe the antibodies are kicking in at least in some places. Uh, you, and, uh, I take heart from that. If you are a progressive and a supporter of progressives in the United States, you are not for freedom or for liberty. And if you are a progressive, you are an enemy of freedom and liberty in the United States of America. If you are a progressive, it is clear. It is concise. How many Americans are progressives? What percentage of Americans are progressives? Millions. I don't know the percentage. I'm going to say, I'm going to come up with a number. I was going to say five or 10%. Okay. Um, but it, it's, it, not a it, it, but, it's not a question only of how many. It's what power and authority. Yeah, and the influence. Oh, sure. Disproportionate. I agree. Disproportionate. Let me say something, though, Bill. Like Tiffany Justice and Moms for Liberty, they're great. All praise to them. I think they're doing fabulous work, and they are animating the American people. But and as, you'll as agree of, they're not going hat to hand, hat in hand either. No, what I what I mean to say by by using that phrase is simply that that there's something deeply wrong with the country, deeply wrong with the country when you have to have a mom's for liberty. When you have to have it, sure, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Something and, deeply and, wrong and, with the schools, but but right. And, and one the address, the, but the, the progressive piece, though, the progressive piece is an interesting way of thinking about this. And Joel's absolutely right about them being enemies of freedom. That is absolutely right. And when we say how many people are like that, I think the hardcore progressives, probably hardcore communists in this country, are probably 5%. Hardcore progressives are probably 10%. So let's say 15% of the country. And let's say the Democratic base is 25% of the country. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're in there. But their influence on society in general is massive, massive. Now, when you when you look at the number of people, I think who believe because they know where to go to push the buttons, right? A a well organized minority will always outflank a a passive majority. Yes, always, always. And the progressives know that, and they are able to foist upon the American people all these radical ideas because at any given moment. Only 10% of the population are parents, a higher percentage are grandparents, but at any given moment, 10%. So a lot of people just are not having to raise children and see these kind of things. So they only absorb these ideas through the news. They don't have to live it every single day, right? Or, or let me say 10% with school-age children, I think, is, is the proper number, right? So w- when you look at it that way, not everybody has to focus on any of these things at any one given moment. The American left knows that. And so they're able to have this amazing out, out, you know, side influence over American life. And they do. And you look at the number of people who are actively progressive, and then the people who are just kind of progressive because they're not willing to fight against the other side, the way Joel was alluding to earlier in the conversation. If you're not willing to fight against the progressives, and you're someone who who you think of yourself as in the center, or maybe even the center right, if you're not going to fight the progressives, the progressives are just going to walk all over you. You're effectively part of you know progressive light in America, and how that's do you equally count, dis- and that's equally destructive. How do you count the people, guys, who maybe don't go to the school board meeting, you know, and raise hell, but who have now left in unprecedented numbers, the public schools, the homeschooling, private schools, to religious schools. Here's how I count them. Uh, Brian alluded to President Xi in San Francisco this last week. Right. 
Um, President Biden just agreed last week to aggressively economically support um, the progressive agenda of climate change to throw hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars to for the United States go spend on green energy items. Now, before anybody starts calling me a climate change denier, stop for one moment. I am a suicide prevention number, not a climate change denier. I'm trying to prevent suicide for this country. Um, Let's talk about what it takes to spend money and who you spend it on for for green energy. A uh, solar, got plenty, you got a sun, it's a fusion technology, not technology, it's a fusion process, a lot of of solar. You need storage. Storage is a battery. A battery has lithium, cobalt, graphite. It has nickel. It has copper. It has anodes and cathodes. It has all kinds of things in order to store green energy. In any any calculation, 70 to as much as 95% of all of those Minerals and processes are owned by the Chinese Communist Party. We also have the Chinese Communist Party that uses more than three times, not uses, emits more than three times CO2 emissions in the United States. They have almost 30% of the world's CO2 emissions. And we have been led to believe that CO2 emissions are the be-all and end-all to climate change. CO2 emissions are less than 0.05% of the atmosphere. A trace gas has been explained to the entire world population that it is the sole cause for an existential threat. Now, we have something here that is saying the United States is going to give our stated enemy, enemy who has declared war on the United States substantial amount, trillions, potentially trillions of dollars of our taxpayers' money to support, to support their industry. Now, who has built coal-fired plants in the last two or three years at, at a dizzying pace? It has been China. Yeah. And we are now giving our stated enemy in a world war a blank check while they continue to aggressively expand their use of fossil fuels. I took a course when I was an economics student many years ago and the course was to analyze a company. And it was most most kids will never hear, don't even know these companies. One of them was Storage Technology, who supplied IBM, which was the big computer company at the time, much of what they needed for their hard mainframe processes. I wrote this paper and said, oh, my God, you should storage tech is going to be a great company because 70, 80 percent of its business is IBM. And IBM is the largest company in the world. And it's wonderful. And it can't be anything but good. My professor gave me a C. I went and talked to him. I said, why did you do this? He said, you're lucky I didn't fail you. Anybody who thinks that one company should rely exclusively on another company with a technology which may or may not exist in the future and may or may not allow that company to continue is, 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 is nuts. You cannot possibly make a decision like that. Just This is just a company decision. Now, we have a nation that is putting our entire energy security in the hands of a stated enemy. Okay, okay, so I see. That is not a climate change denier. Again, yeah, I, I got you. Inventor. Well, All the right. joke, but, 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 but the joke, but, too. No, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my optimistic two cents in. Go ahead. No, I'm going to say the joke here is everyone knows that 
there's not the infrastructure to do the kind of green right. Right. energy infrastructure right. they're talking about. We right. don't have the money. We don't have the materials. Right. Right. This is a joke. This is a wealth transfer from the United States, as Joel is describing, from the United States to communist China in order to enrich communist China and to destroy the U.S. economy. Okay, I agree. And, 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 and it is a kind of national suicide that we are we are living through. And if you want good news, Bill, because you know it is going to be Thanksgiving, we, we need good news. And I will disagree just slightly with Joel. He mentioned fossil fuels. It's very possible that petroleum, in fact, more than likely, in my judgment, that petroleum itself is abiogenic. It didn't come from fossil fuels. That it's naturally created as a process of the world and and the various gases and energies yeah. below the planet, and that the and the, the supply of oil is far greater than we could ever imagine. All right. And so, All instead right. of living in a world of finite mm-hmm. resources, it turns out energy, petroleum, the way we've been looking at it, there's a lot of it. We can fund this economy. We and we Americans have an awful lot of it. And we could run our economy in a very prosperous way for an awfully long time. Sure. Look at things that way. The future could be bright if we get our national priorities correct. All right. You guys, I think you guys are in cahoots. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there, you know, I, I, Brian says I'd like to offer a slight disagreement with Joel <laughs> after Joel has said, He'd like to offer a vehement disagreement with me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We're, get, we're we're getting ready for Thanksgiving here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I I am too. And by God, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to be say Happy Thanksgiving. But I thought I, I'd get it all out before I see you for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I keep going, and you're not gonna be invited. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. You're invited. But, you know, really, Brian should be there and give this toast and explain about fossil fuel not being fossil fuel. Joel knows all about fossil fuel. Well, I guess we should ask Joel. He does know more about it or as as much about it. But when you guys say um, the nation, uh, you make it sound to the audience and to me like everybody's for that. Well, not everybody's for it. They don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ignorance about this, but a lot of people say, I guess there's global warming. The nation isn't running, you know, uh, hard to, uh, to say, let's, let's, let's go, go, go on the, on the, on the green thing. There's, there's worry about this. And a lot of people understand that you, you know, you have a lot of energy here that we're not using. Uh, and that, uh, you know, that this is a, a long term in the future kind of hope that may never be realized. But when you say one nation, you make it seem as if, you know, that the nation is running headlong, that everybody's running headlong. Everybody isn't running headlong. Look, what do you make of this? You know, I I just saw this morning polls. Okay, polls, you can discount polls. But, you know, Trump beats Biden by six points. Uh, DeSantis beats Biden by seven points. Nikki Haley beats uh, beats, uh, Biden by 11 points. So they're not buying all this stuff that Biden's trying to do. Clearly, they don't like the economy. I think that's the first rub. There's a lot they don't like. And some of it has to do with this because they know about energy. There are a lot of energy workers in this country. So if, if an election were held today fairly, 
I think one of those three would beat Biden, which would tell you something about the nation, wouldn't it? Well, wouldn't yes, it? but the, the nation, the, the polls also say that 15 percent of the nation, which is about 50 million people, believe their lives are better under President Biden. Well, I can't understand. I don't understand those, but isn't that always the way with the polls? I mean, I. 20% yeah. of the people think schools are getting better. Those are, those a, are, those are your me, communists me, and progressives. Give me a break. Describe. Yeah. Oh, you're right. idiots. Just your, not even useful right. idiots, just idiots. <laughs> oh, look, look, Bill, I think two thirds of the country could listen to this conversation and agree wholeheartedly with it. Except well, then the they should play it. Except okay. for, except, except for the disagreements, which, you know, also makes sense. But look, I, I think that the vast majority of the American people are on our side. The problem is not the American people. The problem is the uniparty that runs this country. Okay. You have Republicans stop referring and, to it as the nation. Well, look, let me tell you this. If the nation doesn't wake up, it's going to lose its country here. I agree with that. And, so, Bill, but, I'm going to... I agree with that. But what I'm saying is I think the country is part of the country is awake. Part of the country is waking up and another part will wake up pretty soon. I think. Good. I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to agree. I'm, I'm going to admit that I was a little, a little overzealous and wrong. Um, You're right. And what Brian just said also. Holy smokes. You're right, Bill, Bill. You're right. But I don't know. You don't have to say that. We know, we do know, uh, you know, particularly in, in all my housing endeavors, that 60-some percent of this country really does believe in all these American ideals, the American dream, private property rights, safe community, yeah. families, yeah. and uh, houses of worship, faith, um, safety, security. I mean, we, that's absolutely true. And, yes, the, the vast majority of this country, well over percent, maybe 65 or more percent believe that in those ideals. And and um, um, I think that um, I, what 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 I'm worried about is this is a temporary concern. And what you believe, I believe, and I know Brian believes, is that we need to stand up and wake up and defend vigilantly what we have, because this is way worse than anyone can possibly contemplate. Okay, I agree. I agree. Could could we do? Do you mind? I know we've talked about it a lot, but would you mind connecting what we were saying here to Israel? It's the only other country in the world, other than America, that vigorously defends freedom and liberty. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I, I see. I think you you will see the war on Israel be brought home in twenty twenty four. I've been talking to a variety of colleagues about what 2024 might look like, and it, it, it doesn't take too much of an imagination to see that in 2020, we locked down the country because of COVID, and there were the George Floyd riots and Black Lives yeah. Matter and yeah. the chaos. You're, you're seeing, I think, right now a dry run on those kind of riots in 2024 with the use of the current riots and protests over Israel and what they're doing to the Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza. That I think you mean, you mean these, these pro-Hamas riots? Yes, yes. I think. Yeah, I but think they don't have anything like the extent or breadth or depth of the George Floyd just thing. Wait. Just wait. Really? Just okay. Wait. Just, okay. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah. George, okay. uh, the George 
fight the George Floyd protesters were not funded by countries that have nuclear weapons and trillions of dollars of resources. If you're if you're communist China, do you have an interest in there being riots in the streets in 2024? You communist China who helped support Hamas and Hezbollah and backed them with Iran in their attacks on Israel. What was the purpose of that? It was to kill, to terrorize, and to, and to light the world on fire. You lit the world on fire in Israel, and now you want to bring that to the United States. Okay, and you see well, hundreds of thousands of people getting ready in 2024 to have the kind of civil unrest that we saw in 2020. Hundreds of thousands of people in the United States getting ready to do that? Yeah. At least. In, in the at, United at, States. At, at least. least. Yeah. At least. Uh, 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 taking every, the side of Hamas. In every major city. It will take on the quality of Black Lives Matter, Bill. It will be really? the cause. It will be the cause celeb for all these for all these folks. Will Jews? Will Jews? Um, They'll help fund it. Jews will help fund it, and will seventy percent of Jews still vote Democrat? Well, I hope not. I hope not. And when I say they'll fund it, I was being facetious. The American left is looking for any way to stop Donald Trump. You look at the Economist uh, magazine. And out of out of England, and what and what did the economists say? The most dangerous threat to the global order is Donald Trump and MAGA. Boom. And so, <laughs> I think the forces of the radical left will do anything in their power to make sure Donald Trump and MAGA do not get in office. And if that means supporting the Palestinian cause against Israel and America in the streets of America, I think that will happen. I can't believe it's that popular. Or will Bill, become that popular. It is. It, it is not. It doesn't need to become. It is that popular. The Financial Times just a couple of days ago published uh, something similar to what Brian Kennedy just mentioned. Um, the horror, the abhorrent horror of Donald Trump potentially becoming president. And what did they state? His desire to bring pharmaceutical production back onshore to the United States, his desire to do a variety of other things that would secure the safety of certain supplies of very essential goods for the United States. They they literally walked through each and every one of those and described it as an abject horror that somebody I, would support that. I don't know anybody who reads the financial types except you. <laughs> You're the guy... You're the guy who taught me, Joel Farkas, when you talk about America, don't think of the clogged L.A. freeway. Think of Tulsa. You're right. I did say that. I've been wrong. By the way, I, the sec, I, I, I've been wrong before, Bill. Uh, I, when? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, all right. Um, yeah, probably, uh, probably the 90s. Look, this week, this week, 400 American CEOs gave Xi Jinping a standing ovation in San Francisco. These are the captains of industry in the United States. And these people are absolute traitors to the American cause of human freedom. And among the things that they want to make sure that, you know, we, we, we simply have to allow TikTok to continue in this country. Because TikTok is a new social media platform, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, part yeah, of the new this, yeah. If you look at TikTok today, it is spreading the most vile filth you can possibly imagine. Anti-Semitism is being spread through TikTok in ways that are unimaginable. Millions and millions of American youth 
are hearing on TikTok about the evils of Israel and the virtues of Islam. You yeah. have these dumb teenagers talking about how Islam is pro-woman and, and all this other yeah. just absolute nonsense because the Chinese know that if they can pollute the minds of Americans, they will win. And they pollute it when it comes to Israel and anti-Semitism. It promotes immorality and anti-Americanism. And we have 400 captains of industry in the United States applauding Xi Jinping and making sure that the United States government does not ban TikTok yeah. as a platform in this country. Uh, I, now, I, I, for, for, for all the good news, yeah, that's not that's not that doesn't count in the good news. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I've got to go. And um, uh, you guys are. You need, you need a drink. At, you need a drink after this one. You need to. No, I, 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 no I'm I'm I'm. I'm not even sure I'm going to have my dressing and gravy after this conversation, but I'm going to, I'll, I'll one, force. What? One, I have one suggestion for last thought, please. My last thought for, for, for our new president, Trump, um, by executive order, I have the regulatory agencies of the United States look at every single American public company, the SEC and all the other regulatory agencies, and determine when their policies are promoting these mining of all these elements, nickel and lithium yeah, and, yeah, all yeah. Those, and the, the, the destruction of indigenous peoples, the, the, the destruction of the environment. And they should have to disclose every investment they make trying to promote green energy that is destroying way worse than any other kind of energy production we have today. The, 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 um, the environment and the nation. And I think that, these, they need to disclose it on all of their quarterly filings and annual filings. And if they do not properly disclose, there should be uh, uh, civil penalties and potential criminal penalties for every single CEO and board of every American corporation. Right. And for- you'll do business with, including communist China, which is a stated, has declared war on the United States. Okay. Is that the first thing you should do? Yes. I think actually. Not, not close I, the border? Actually, People in Congress should begin that process now and have it ready for him when he takes office. Okay, Brian. Well, I'm for, I, I'm for that and for closing the border and rebuilding the U.S. military, which is wasting money on things we don't need, and not spending money on things we do need, like a more robust strategic arsenal and national missile defense. And people, but I would say, and people I, willing to serve. And, Yes, and only one branch serve. that has met, met its quota. You know that. Yes, no, it's it's, it's well, the, the the demoralization of the military is profound. Oh, but, but let, 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 let me close on this note, Bill. For just yep. what I have to say, it's Thanksgiving, and we should be thankful to live in such a great country. Yeah, but we should all Good. we should all we should also humble ourselves before the Lord because this country is 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 on the wrong path. And it needs to get on the right, the right path. And the only way that will happen is if we humble ourselves, realize everything we've done wrong, and do everything in our power to get on the right path. And elect the right person, right? Elect the right person, do the right things. As an individual, yes, as an individual, live the right life. And as a community, do the right things. And as a country, elect leaders who are willing to defend uh, our Constitution and the cause of human freedom. Thank you, gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Brian, Bill, and Claude. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. Listen. 
we've got skyrocketing inflation, over $33 trillion in debt, that's trillion with a T, war in Ukraine, and now war in Israel. How much worse can it get under this leadership? That's why thousands of hardworking Americans are diversifying their savings with precious metals like gold and silver. I personally bought some precious metals, and I got them from the top-rated company, Gold Co. Gold Co. has helped countless Americans like you and me place over $2.5 billion in gold and silver. They're rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. They've earned over 5,000 five-star reviews. They're a seven-time Inc. 5,000 winner. And that's just a few of their accomplishments. Right now, for listeners of this show, Gold Co. is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver. That's right, $10,000 worth of silver, but only while supplies last. Go to goldco.com slash bill to learn more. That's goldco.com slash bill. G-O-L-D-C-O dot com slash bill. Diversify your savings with gold and silver before it's too late. So it's become a yearly tradition that we started on the radio show, and now we're continuing with the podcast. It is Mrs. Bennett's Table Rules for Thanksgiving dinner, and maybe not just for Thanksgiving dinner, maybe for dinner, period. However, I think for Thanksgiving, we just uh, focus on uh, on these rules. Mrs. Bennett, how are you? I am great, Claude. Looking forward to Thanksgiving, and I know you are, too. You have a wonderful one, always, with your family. And we just love Thanksgiving here. It's uh, it's truly about being thankful and being together and and sharing good food and and uh, companionship and just the kinds of things without gifts uh, unless somebody wants to bring an extra pumpkin pie, uh, <laughs> which is always appreciated. Yes, but there, there's it's it's something that I, that we think uh, and and our family and I'm sure you're doing yours that it is an opportunity to really express gratitude. Gratitude to the fact that our that we're together, that uh, we love each other, that we have food to share, and that we have comforts, and to our Maker, uh, whatever faith you happen to be, um, that's the beauty of Thanksgiving. But we just think it's it's a, an opportunity for children really to learn, right. and <laughs> that's the serious aspect of it. Then there's another aspect, which I decided, oh gosh, after uh, our youngest son, Joe, uh, who was a Marine at the time, they say once a Marine, always a Marine, uh, was invited to dinner actually at Hugh Hewitt's house. He could not join us for Thanksgiving. He was serving at Dana Point in California. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, I hope I have schooled him correctly in, <laughs> in, in, in the appropriate table manners. Uh-huh. So this uh, Mrs. Bennett's Rules for Thanksgiving <laughs> grew out of a text that I sent to Joe that I decided to, you know, part a serious text, but with some lighthearted moments that he actually shared at the dinner mm-hmm. and that the rest is, is, is history. Bill picked up on it and you've picked up on it. And um, uh, sometimes I feel a little odd reading it at my own dinner table when sure. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are guests present uh it, it's uh it was an in-house uh memo 
that has kind of gained uh, notoriety. And this has become a favorite for people who listen to the show and email in. They always want to make sure that we want to do this every year. Uh, so we've got to do this. Well, thank you. And thank you for asking me to do this. And thanks to these wonderful listeners who re- who care. That that mm-hmm. gives me great, uh, great, great comfort yeah. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that people still care about good manners. So I'll go through them. And then if you would like to elaborate, Claude. Sure. Um, you have uh, you have wonderful manners. So. You may have some things you may wish to add, but number one, napkin in the lap. Okay. Which is something uh, my sons, I still have to say, excuse me, point to the napkin to get it (laughs) right there in the lap. It's important. Have to get it off the table in the lap. Number two, drink only from the glass or glasses to the right over the knife. Okay. And the knife will be to the right of your plate. Number three, your bread and butter plate and your salad plate is to the left over the fork. And that is a good reason that we try to teach children knife and spoon on the right, fork on the left. Okay. Now, someone taught me, uh, actually a principal in D.C. public school says, Elaine, a good way to remember this is BMW. Most kids know that a BMW is a car. It's a great thing. Uh, And teenagers and college age kids and beyond. But she explained it like this. Bread, meal, water, meaning your water's always to the right. So we use this phrase with our Diamond Girls and Best Men when we had some lovely luncheons in the city and they were interested in learning etiquette. Mm-hmm. So we used the, the, the idea of BMW and they got it down. Uh, I have discovered that privileged kids do not always grab the significance <laughs> as quickly. <laughs> um, number four, no talking with your mouth full. Okay. Yep. And I'll go. just leave that one right there <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh-huh. Number five, try very hard not to spill your food on the table and up the front of your shirt <laughs> and especially on your tie mm-hmm. if you're wearing one, which I think is a very nice um, tribute to your hostess if you do show up in a tie. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my boys are genetically predisposed to <laughs> filling things up the front, and yes. I will not tell them which part of their genetic heritage that came from. Mm-hmm. Something tells uh, me that people can <laughs> guess. I think they know where where they may get that I, from. <laughs> I will. I will leave that up to the audience. Number six, and I think this is important and is is not followed uh, that closely in this day and age, but wait until the lady of the house is seated and has raised her fork. There you go. Okay. It's just important not to dive in. It's a sign of respect to wait until, and most of the time it is a she Mm -hmm. is seated. And then once that fork is raised, then the other people at the dining table may raise their fork. 
I have told people at my house as I'm running back and forth, please, it's warm. Uh, don't wait for me. That's what I was going to ask because sometimes mm-hmm. we'll come across these, much like yourself, gracious hosts, uh, hostesses who are doing so much. And they say, no, don't mm-hmm. wait, don't wait. Do we insist to wait? What's that back and forth? If they if they insist that we go, we just go ahead and go? Or Well, there is a point, and there's a number seven, mm-hmm. always wait, especially at significant meals for a prayer or blessing for the food. Mm-hmm. So the host or the hostess can stand and say, we'd like to now bless our food. At that point, The hostess, as I have done, can say, please begin eating while I go and fetch the hot gravy. So (laughs) I'm giving (laughs) I'm giving those a, uh, you know, a little door of opportunity here. But it is very nice, especially Thanksgiving to give thanks. Uh, Number eight, do not blow your nose at the table. (laughs) Yeah. Seen it done. Yeah. That's uh, the reason a, behind my laugh. Yes. And <laughs> especially in your napkin. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> that's not allowed ever any way, shape, or form. <laughs> now, number nine, and I have a reason. If you are serving wine with your dinner mm-hmm. and you happen to be uh, at the head of the table or even depending on or even a guest, do not place the wine bottle on the floor by your chair. <laughs> I will not elaborate on this much further as, uh, <laughs> other than to say that has been done at my dinner table mm-hmm. to my great dismay. <laughs> um, number 10, do not punctuate your sentences in any way with your silverware. Oh, yeah. As you are trying to make a a point, you do not make that point with your knife Mm -hmm. or as you are eating and your fork is in your hand and you're having a discussion, do not swirl (laughs) Swirl your fork around in the air, Um, particularly when trying to say, okay, hurry up, hurry up. I've seen that done. Number 11, always, always personally thank the hostess and tell her the food was delicious yes that is so important just a a word to the hostess this was a just a delicious thanksgiving a delicious dinner thank you so much is it okay to point out uh, specific dishes that you liked or should you just leave well that's that's always this was this you know thank you so much the the dinner was delicious i especially enjoyed the blank there we go okay um This is especially important if you have left enough food on the floor under your chair for the family dog's next meal. (laughs) I have had that happen where nary a word was said Mm -hmm. that this uh, individual enjoyed the food, but there was a (laughs) lot of food under the chair. (laughs) (laughs) And number 12, if you want your mother to go to her grave, with a peaceful heart, offer to clear the table, mm-hmm. take out the garbage, and always, always follow up 
with a handwritten thank you note. Uh, an email is a is a is a second best, but not the ultimate. Um, I have on file all of the handwritten notes from the young people, especially and and older people too who have joined us at many dinners, especially Thanksgiving, and I treasure them. I go back and reread them. I have to tell you, the file has gotten thinner in the past several years Mm -hmm. as people have resorted to texting and emails. It's just a lovely thing to do. Sure. And some of these time-honored traditions are... Um, ones that if we don't, if we don't encourage them, Claude, they're not, they're going to fade away. Bill oftentimes on the show talks about the, um, I think it's called, he calls it the, the, the trial turkey or the test turkey. <laughs> What's this yeah. all about? Uh, you can call it the trial, the rehearsal, or the gravy turkey. Right. <laughs> um, After years, I think I've cooked Thanksgiving dinner now every Thanksgiving for 40 years. Wow. Wherever I happen to be, Mm -hmm. uh, even in my first years of marriage and I didn't fight my mother and I was, I was anxious that I measure up because she was a wonderful, wonderful cook and she taught me a lot, but she didn't teach me. uh, She often liked to be in the kitchen on her own because she thought that, um, her children just might mess things up. Sure, so she, yeah. <laughs> she banished us from the kitchen, but I made her teach me how to make gravy mm-hmm. when I was much older. But the gravy turkey I hit upon when I realized that we would always run out of gravy. And my dear husband wanted turkey the next day with gravy on it. <laughs> he wanted a sandwich open-faced with gravy <laughs> and cranberry. And I make a cran- fresh cranberry mold on the mm-hmm. side, although he's been known to grab the canned cranberry. <laughs> and the, uh, the gravy turkey, in fact, I just made one yesterday. And I don't pay, I don't, fret over it. I just mm-hmm. put it in the oven at 275. But my whole purpose of that turkey, Claude, mm-hmm. is to have more drippings for gravy. So I have double the amount of gravy. Okay. And as I've discovered, I also have lots of extra white meat and dark meat because oh. um, we have, I happen to enjoy dark meat. Mm-hmm. So this one really um, was a surprise to me because I didn't I kind of put it in there, put a little butter on it, stuck an onion and a, a stalk of celery in, but I cooked it at 275. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting the drippings that I needed, Claude. So I added a little turkey stock mm-hmm. and I continued to cook it. And I have to tell you, not only did I get wonderful drippings, but I got the best white meat i have ever had that's what i heard i heard that this trial turkey without even thinking about it or all the preparation without caring at all came out like the best ever delicious just (laughs) delicious in fact it may make the you know the grand turkey put it to shame so i am slicing up so I'll have extra white meat. But Bill discovered that the trial turkey was in the oven. I mean, actually in the refrigerator mm-hmm. and had to have a turkey sandwich. He said, this is the absolute best. So 
<laughs> you know, I didn't get organic. Mm-hmm. I good old butterball, and this one was frozen. Now I have a fresh one for Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. That I will cook that morning, but I'm going to go to the long, slow method. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And try not to stress over it because obviously the stress, you know, the the less stress on the first one, you know, came out. (laughs) Well, this was this was a stress free turkey. Mm -hmm. And somehow he just decided he was just going to reward me. Because I actually took the turkey out, drained the drippings off, let it sit out for a while, kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Then I said, oh, I better cook it some more, threw it back in for a little while. <laughs> and then I kept ranging the temperature between about three, and then I put it up to 315, and it got crisp. It was also a beautiful turkey. So I, I guess my message is, after many years, I guess this is probably... When I count it up, uh, I guess I've done probably the hundredth turkey I've cooked because of two two turkeys for the last uh, few years, many, well, the last 10 years. I think that take stress out of it, be happy, and maybe the key is the two turkeys, your stress-free one, two days or three days before <laughs> and then you know you've got turkey right <laughs> right so no matter what happens you've got a stress-free turkey that's right so my uh, and this is to new cooks newly uh new new hostesses who are worried you know and they I read all the books, read all the stuff on how to do turkey, and the best is baste it with butter. If you don't want to put, you don't want to dress your turkey or, you know, put your your inside is dressing, outside is stuffing. If you like to do different things in, in pans, and both are delicious. I do both. I put dressing, I'll stuff my turkey, and then I'll also have a pan of, of dressing okay. with different things in it. Particularly if you like to put oysters or you put some people like almonds, some people put cranberries. Sure. But just do it with love and do it with the idea that you've got your loved ones, your, your family, your friends around the table. Mm-hmm. And it'll taste delicious. Well, thank you, Mrs. Bennett. I really appreciate it. This is well, thank you, Claude. It's a pleasure. Okay, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to the BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett, and you can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show, folks. I'd love to hear from you. The Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and your friends. We'll catch up next week. Bye.